Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. The Beyond Sleep Training Podcast, a podcast dedicated to sharing real tales of how people have managed sleep in their family outside of sleep training culture. Because sleep looks different with a baby in the house. And because every family is different, there is no one-size-fits-all approach to take. I'd like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which this podcast is being recorded, the Kalkadoon people. I pay my respects to the elders of this nation and the many other nations our guests reside in from the past, present and emerging. We honour Australian Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people and the unique cultural and spiritual relationships to the land, water and seas, as well as their rich contributions to society, including the birthing and nurturing of children. And welcome back to the Beyond Sleep Training Podcast. I'm your host, Carly Grubb, and with me today is Vivek Patel. He's coming to us all the way from Canada. It's his evening time over there, so welcome, Vivek. Thank you. Happy to be here, my friend. Now, Vivek is doing some amazing work in the space of conscious parenting. Would you say conscious parenting is the best way to describe yeah, you know, I call it conscious parenting, gentle parenting, peaceful parenting. It's it's kind of all those names. Um, I actually these days have been calling it non-coercive collaborative parenting because I find it's more descriptive. It's less catchy, but it's more descriptive. I've actually got that written down because you are a parenting educator and you have developed this philosophy of non-coercive collaborative parenting. And I'm really excited to hear how that has actually developed over your experience with your family. Um, But I'll be sure to drop into our show notes links to the work that you are doing online now for all of our listeners to follow along. Your page is Meaningful Ideas. And you also work with the Gentle Gentle Parents Unite group on Facebook. That's right. Is that right? Yeah. That's correct. Awesome. Yeah. 
And so, Vivek, can you tell us, we're here to talk about sleep with your family. Could you let us know who is in your little crew? For sure. It's myself and my wife and my now 24 and a half year old daughter. And uh, so we'll be tapping back into 24 years ago. Yeah. My (laughs) wife and I were reminiscing this afternoon in preparation, actually. (laughs) Oh, beautiful. I'm really excited to hear. So before you welcomed her into your family, how did you and your wife plan to approach sleep with her? Was it something you discussed and thought out? Yeah, for sure. Well, we included sleep into the general philosophy that we wanted to we wanted to work with with our kids. You know, both of us grew up in very traditional coercive households. I'm from India. My wife is from Trinidad. So those are both very discipline heavy, discipline in the the mainstream way of thinking of it, discipline heavy um, cultures. And we wanted to do things differently. We wanted to do things radically differently, not just a little differently, you know. And I always say that uh, conscious parenting or gentle parenting, like we were saying, is um, is not traditional parenting done more gently, but it's a whole different mindset. It's a whole different paradigm, a whole different way of treating kids and looking at kids and looking at our relationship with them. And even 25 years ago, we knew that there was something there. We didn't know exactly what I had, there were no books really, and there was no internet really. So we were just, we just knew we, what we, a lot of the, a lot of it, we knew what we didn't want to do and what we did want to do. I called the don't do and the do do. And, uh, and so we knew a lot about what we didn't want to do. We didn't want to force her to do anything. We didn't want to punish her or control her in any way. And the do-do was we really wanted to respect her autonomy and respect her wisdom about herself. I say her because she's her. We didn't know it was a her before though, right? And so uh, we had this whole we had this whole idea that we were going to trust her process and trust her wisdom about herself. And so we didn't really know what that was going to look like. We didn't have a plan. We'll do sleep like this and we'll do food like this. It was kind of the opposite of having a plan as far as the practical side of it goes. But we had a philosophical plan. And of course, my when when she came along, that philosophy wasn't so easy and wasn't so rosy because um, I had no idea how complex and how challenging it would be to have this little new this little new human in our in our house. Right? I used to say my ideology is clashing with my reality. <laughs> yes, yes, it's all yeah. the best laid plans, isn't it? Well, it's not yeah. even a plan, but just how you imagine it's going to be. Yeah. So even though you hadn't, you decided that you wanted to just accept this baby as she came and and go with her from there. But in your mind, had you did you still have some preconceived ideas about how a baby would sleep? Maybe honestly, I'll say that I didn't really. I didn't because. Um, because I already knew that I already knew at that point that every preconceived idea I had was imposed on me by a society and by the media and by my own experiences that didn't match up with what I really wanted. And I knew, I knew, I knew that the way that um, people viewed kids wasn't, uh, wasn't accurate. I didn't know what was going to come of it. 25 years later, I have a much better idea, you know, and uh, helping hundreds, actually thousands of people and seeing so many, I mean, one of the benefits of being in Gentle Parents Unite, which right now we have 80,000 people in our, in our group and a fantastic admin team. And one of the benefits is I've seen a sample size of thousands and thousands of people over many, many years asking questions and describing their problems and describing their struggles and how they've approached it and what has worked and what hasn't worked. And then trying the stuff that I teach and watching that uh, grow. But in the beginning, I didn't have any of that. Right. So I think we we were very conscious not to have preconceived motion, no, motions, preconceived notions in the beginning. You know, I, I think I probably did um, have an idea about 
myself. Like I thought I would be very calm and Zen like all the time. Um, I thought I would always be in this state where I was like this perfect guide. And that's really where, where the struggle was for me was me. It wasn't really about anything that, that she did. And so, uh, because we, we knew we didn't know. I think that was one of the, one of the biggest um, fortune, good fortunes that we had in the early days was we knew we didn't know. And this is kind of what we based it on. Like uh, I knew I didn't know. So I had to ask my kid, <laughs> you know, and this was uh, the, the beautiful thing. The hard part was that she actually didn't really want to sleep at nights, you know, and we, uh, and we, we had to try so many different things to figure out what sleep was, was for her because she would cry and cry and cry at night. And, uh, and you know, everybody was telling us in those days, leave her to cry. She's going to get over it. And, uh, and we just, we, we couldn't, we couldn't consider it, you know, but at the same time, like the crying would go on and on and on. So what we ended up doing was we ended up over time, slowly figuring out different things that helped her feel safe, helped her feel comforted, helped her feel our presence. And, uh, and also trying to figure out like intuitively figure out what is it that's, uh, that's causing the distress for her because there was a clear distress and slowly, slowly, slowly we did, we, uh, we developed a routine. It was like a, the one particular album that we played every single night for two years. You know, I still, it's a Tracy Chapman album. Her, I think it was her uh, second album. And I, I just, I still can't listen to the, any songs from that album <laughs> we listen to it every day. And, yep. uh, and, and a certain amount of bouncing and a certain amount of swinging and, uh, and the exact way for her to fall asleep. And eventually we figured something out that, that worked for a time. But the biggest issue for, for us really in those days was um, the impact of, of, of not knowing and, and struggling with that in ourselves, you know, because I would get really frustrated. Um, I would feel like a failure. I would feel like uh, I, I would feel like she's, um, you know, uh, being uh, like aggressive against me. Like she just was like a baby not being able to sleep. But I was taking it really personally, you know. It's hard all not to those when things. you're putting everything into it, isn't it? That's exactly you're it. You're doing all these things and it's still not enough. It builds. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. And so I remember early on, one of somebody asked me, what's the hardest part of your, of your kid's development? And I said, the hardest part of her development is my development. And uh, <laughs> I love that. That's true. And so, uh, but you know, the, the thing is, like, because I, again, because I had the fortune, I always say that I had the fortune because I don't know how I knew, but ever since I was very, very young, I knew that I wanted to be a different kind of dad than what I experienced, you know, because I grew up being spanked and punished. And then that kind of transferred into being bullied in, uh, in junior high school. So I was bullied in high school, uh, in, in junior high school, bullied when I came home. And like my whole life was, was kind of like that. And I had to close off so many parts of myself. I never really got to learn who I was. I never got to learn a relationship with my body. I never got to learn about my mind and my, you know, my, my sensory experiences and how my thoughts work and what, what was important to me and what my values were. I never got to learn any of that stuff <laughs> until like, until I realized like as an adult, as a young adult, that 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 stuff had been locked away from me and that I wanted to rediscover myself. And it's like, I've been on a path of rediscovery for I'm 52. So it's been 32 years now. I think it was around 20 when I started to really want to rediscover myself. Um, so for my kid, you know, for me, well, the way I always thought about sleep was not so much, how do I get her to sleep? 
but how can I most nourish her relationship with sleep? This is the focus that we took, you know, I didn't want to necessarily get her to do things. I, I always say there's no let and no get in our relationship. I don't let her do things in the sense that I never allowed myself to think I had the authority to let or not let her do things. And which is, I know, extremely radical from how most parents uh, work with their kids. And I won't even say how most parents work with their kids, how they've been told to work with their kids, that of course we have authority over kids. Of course you have to tell them what to do. But we just refused. We just refused that authority. We had it, but we refused it. We had it meaning like we have systemic power, right? All parents have systemic power over their kids. And it's systemic um, because my saying for systemic is it's power you didn't choose and power you can't refuse. So we have financial power over them. We have emotional power over them. We have access to resources, power over them. We can make them do stuff. We can make them feel bad and punish them and uh, reward them to try and manipulate them. And we just thought, let's just not do that. <laughs> and that was basically the extent of the philosophy in the early days. We're just not going to do that. And, uh, but we also were thinking like every decision was like, is this going to help her learn about her body and learn about sleep? you know, and learn about the impact of sleep on her body in a way that made sense to her. You know, it wasn't so much about like, because a lot of I hear a lot of the time parents say my kid is really grumpy the next day. So I have to get them to sleep. But then the process of getting them to sleep is so disconnecting and grumpy that you're kind of sacrificing one grumpy for another grumpy. And uh, and I thought, well, if there's going to be some grumpiness anyways, let's let's focus the grumpiness on helping her have the deepest relationship with herself as possible. And that's not something you can force. You can't force someone to have a relationship with self. You can only nurture it and inspire it. And so that's the approach that we that we took. And it was wildly chaotic and challenging. But the one thing we didn't do was give up on the philosophy. Even when I said my ideology is clashing with my reality, all my friends would be like, oh, so you're giving up on your ideology, right? And I said, no, I'm just going to work harder at it because I had real <laughs> faith in, in it. Yeah. yeah, no, that's amazing. And so can you tell me what was this, what were the sorts of things that you were able to observe as, as she was able to have this experience with you guys? Yeah, for sure. It's, it's, I like that they use the word observe because so much of it was that, you know, it was, it was really, a lot of it was watching her closely and watching her responses to things. A lot of the, a lot of the way I discovered pretty much everything that, um, that we did as a, as a parent was trying something and then observing her. Did she like that or did she hate that? And if she hated it, we would say, okay, we're not going to do that again. <laughs> it was, it was a, again, a pretty basic system. The system in the beginning was quite basic, but extremely effective because um, so then, so then like when she was, when we would, when sleep was more, uh, something that we could discuss and something that we could work together on, it was really about asking her to tune into her body and asking her to discover and exploring with her to discover the impact of sleep. And the way I always try and work with things with kids is I don't tell them, you know, if you get not if you don't get enough sleep, you're going to be tired and grumpy the next day and then you're not going to have a good day. Because that sounds like, I mean, if I were a kid, I would never want to sleep if I heard that. You know, I would fight sleep all the time because you're telling me what to do and you're telling me I'm wrong. So when I did instead, I was like, you know, kiddo, sometimes you want to stay up extra late because you're doing something that's fun. 
and it's interesting and you might be grumpy the next day, but it's worth it. And sometimes you don't want to stay up late because you want to have a nice day the next day and you don't want to be grumpy the next day. And sometimes there's all sorts of things in between. And sometimes we might want to go out at two in the morning and go get fries at downtown at the 24 hour place. And, and we don't even sleep at all. And, and then sometimes we want to get to sleep super early and sometimes, and like we would talk about all the sometimes, all the options, you know, and then we would look at each option and what was the benefit and what was the potential potential benefit and potential cost. And, uh, and we would explore those together. And so there was never any wrongness about any option. All the options were available to us. And that way there was no resistance to the different options, you know, and it really wasn't long before my kids started to really think about these things on, on her own. What is the impact? Same with food. We never did any coercion or force or, or with food. No, it never limits. We never said no. You know, just the idea of saying no to her about food would mean that I'm telling her, don't listen to your body. Listen to me instead. You know, and that that there's like an underlying message there that you can't trust yourself. And then that because I'm not always going to be the one that she's going to have telling her what to do. Right. Eventually, it's going to be other people. I, I was also thinking, well, when other people are telling her what to do, if it conflicts with her own intuition, her body intuition, her deep consciousness intuition, um, when she's when she's listening to that intuition and she has an authority figure or somebody that, you know, she respects or somebody that has some power over her telling her the opposite. How do I want her to respond? I want her to take the information in from the other source, but I don't want that source to be the thing that makes the decision for her. And so I couldn't be the thing that made the decision for her either. I had to be the this one source of, uh, of information. And that's why I always say I didn't teach my daughter what to think. I taught her how to think, how to think, how to analyze, how to, how to learn about herself. And, and maintain uh, that and, trust, the trust in her body to listen to its own cues and yeah. take those on board. So while she was a tiny baby, yeah. what was like thinking about days and nights across yeah. the 24 hour period, how did she generally take her sleep? Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting to ask me about 25 years ago, but, uh, but yeah, <laughs> it's good a good question. <laughs> I, I will, I, I'll tell you, uh, I'll tell you, I remember the moment she decided not to nap anymore. And uh, because I loved nap time, nap time was the best. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I had an Pretty hour. Sure, to we all love them while they go. Yeah, 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 for sure. And she loved her nap time. Nap time was great. She would take one nap a day, and it was very. She liked she liked routine. So we would we really were good about setting up routines once we figured them out. A lot of trial and error, you know. And uh, a lot of the, this is the the other thing um, is that a lot of the time when we try something and it doesn't work. Uh, how we want it to, people will often just give up on the, on the philosophy or the ideas altogether. But we're some, a lot of the time what's needed is small adjustments to things, tweaking, you know, tweaking, tweaking. Yeah, 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 exactly. And, <clears throat> and so we did a lot of tweaking <laughs> and, and so, but, but the routines for the nap time, you know, we would have like a specific routine and, uh, and she would fall very lovingly, peacefully into her nap. Uh, after we figured out, uh, figured out things. But, um, so I remember that day where she said I didn't want to nap and I remember like 
there was a part of me that really wanted to push her. I was like, I was like, are you sure kiddo? Cause a nap is so great. And she was like, no, 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 I don't want a nap. I said, I really think a nap would be good for you. Sure. You want a nap. You should listen to, and then I'm going, you should listen to your body. And I, I remember this conversation cause I was laughing at myself as I was doing it. I was like, Vake, you're about to coerce her. You can see it, right? You're about to try and push her. And I was like trying not to trying so hard not to. And I was like biting my tongue. And at some point I was just like, okay, okay. It's really important. And then I did my, my, my thing. I said, it's really important for you to listen to your body, kid. I really appreciate that you're telling me and you don't have to nap. And she just never napped again. Right. And so like, but what happened then, right? I had an experience of, of real loss at that moment. I had an experience of grief at that moment. My whole life kind of had to change at that moment because this hour break was a huge thing for me. You know, I mean, I was a stay at home dad the whole time. My wife mostly went, uh, went to work and, uh, Although here in uh, Canada, I think we get like 18 months maternity leave or something like that. Some ridiculous amount, which is, which is great and uh, ridiculous in a good way. Um, Yeah, that's amazing. uh, Yeah, but, uh, but, but, but like this nap time was so important to me. And so I, I knew, I knew that if I didn't deal with the feelings I had inside about the loss of the nap time, then I would have resentment towards her. Right. And, and having resentment towards her natural process, it, it just it doesn't make sense. Um, but, but if we don't tend to those feelings inside of us, uh, they, they build, then they have residue and then they come out in ways that, uh, you know, that we don't expect or we don't intend. And, and the work that I did, it doesn't necessarily make sense in that, you know, it's not anything that she could control, but at the same time, it does make sense in that it did have a big impact on you. So feeling those feelings and dealing with them, that's all part of the process, isn't it? Yeah, that's exactly it. That's exactly. I appreciate that you're saying it does. I said it doesn't make sense. And you're actually right. It does make sense. It doesn't make sense from that perspective, but it does make sense from a, from me being a human, you know, and, and then the parents that I work with very, very often in so many different aspects of their lives, um, they experience a lot of, uh, pain, a lot of, uh, anger, a lot of frustration. And then they feel bad about it because they're just, it's like, oh, it's just the kids, you know, they're not meaning to do it. And then they want to be gentle parents and they hear the word gentle and they think that means everything has to be gentle all the time. But it's actually quite a chaotic experience a lot of the time because we have all of this stuff. And like I often see I'm a tangled mess of trauma and triggers and, you know, and, and all my history. And so that tang- it takes time to untangle all that stuff. And then something activates it. And I'm all of a sudden I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a four-year-old seeking attachment. You know, I'm not 52 or 42 or whatever age I am. Um, I'm all of a sudden I'm that that little hurt kid that's not being seen, that's not being accepted. And then that kid takes over and it's very challenging. And so, you know, like being able to have a relationship with little Havek, I just did a, I just did a half hour video yesterday on having a relationship with your own inner, inner child and how important it is. And to be able to be able to speak really kindly and to be the adult. I now am the, in the safe, I now am the safe adult little Havek never had. You and know, it's and having I, that compassion for that little self, like being able to see that in yourself and treat yourself as gently as you're trying to treat your child. Yeah. It's a huge part of the process. And I think that's the bit that sometimes people miss in the gentle parenting. It's not always got very much to do with what we're actually doing with our little people. It's about what we're doing within ourselves so that we're okay too. Yeah. Yeah. It's such a powerful thing. And then, really? and then we build, we build that habit of, 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 being compassionate in those difficult moments with ourselves. And then that habit has a tendency to leak out onto our kids, which is, which is fantastic, you know? 
and doubly uh, powerful that's for sure yeah yeah well, can I ask you, so I'm just thinking with your little person, so she, you, you were very willing to go with her and develop routines and things like that around her yeah. in those early parts of her life. So say from birth through to, uh, two, okay. was there specific things that helped you and your wife feel okay in yourselves while you were following her lead with her sleep? Mm, like did yeah. you take naps during the day did you share night times did you find specific strategies that really helped you both maintain your well-being that's a really good question I will say that I was probably less aware of taking care of myself in those days and uh and would like to have had more awareness of that you know, there's actually a lot when I think about the stuff I teach now, um, there's actually a lot that I wish I had known in those days. And I was a lot less compassionate and kind to myself than, um, than I would like to have been. Certainly the two of us, you know, having one kid and two of us made for something a lot easier than a lot of parents who, you know, like as one parent with four kids, for example, and all of them have different sleep uh, rhythms and different sleep needs. Um, so having the two of us being able to, you know, pass her back and forth for different parts of that routine was a big, was a big thing. So that when one of us was feeling uh, stressed to the point where it was going to start coming out, the other would take over. And, you know, there were different aspects that she specifically wanted one of or the other of us to do more. And, uh, and so then we were able to tune into that. And then the other person would get a, a break during that. And, you know, for me, I was home all day with her. Um, and, uh, well, I guess in the beginning, both of us were. So I think that in the beginning, we were really pretty good about taking turns uh, back and forth. Meditation was something that has always been part of our lifestyle. Uh, separate from having a kid, you know, my wife and I met in a, a, a spiritual class and back in 1980, 1990, uh, is when we met and, uh, and we both have followed, have followed the same spiritual teacher for like 30 years. And so we have, this is the one thing that the two of us have very much in common where our personalities are very different in a lot of ways. But the one thing that we have in common is our, our spiritual ideology. And so meditation has always been something that's been really uh, powerful for us. And I know meditating with our kid and meditating with our kid in mind has always been something really powerful. In my membership group that I, I run with Sujai, and Sujai Johnson is the creator and the founder of Gentle Parents Unite, and she's a, a brilliant person. And the two of us are kind of business partners in our parenting uh, group, which you can find at gentleparentsunite.com, by the way. We actually, and we'll drop that's that into you, show notes for sure. Excellent. Thank you. And so the parents uh, that we work in that membership group, I do a meditation every Friday. And it's an hour long. And one of the meditations that we do is meditating uh, on connecting spirit to spirit or consciousness to consciousness with your child. And this is where you go inside to your deep consciousness and you find a sense of stillness. And then you project that stillness to your child's consciousness and you connect them. And we do one that's connected to the, we do like, we use different images and we do one that's connected to the earth and one that's connected to the sky and one that's connected to the ocean. And we use these different images to connect with our children. And, uh, and so it's, there's a really powerful because there's something that happens under the surface with humans that we often aren't aware of. 
Um, and we were, again, this is another thing that we were fortunate to be aware of in those days was this uh, under the surface connection that we have. Because I, I talk about um, human human beings as a as a liquid system. When we interact with each other, it's a liquid system. It's the liquid system versus the pool ball system. So when we play pool and you shoot one ball against the other, they bounce off each other. And they affect each other, but only for that instant that they're actually in contact. And the rest of the time, they're completely separate. But the liquid system is more like a pond, where if you if you make an impact on the pond in one area, the entire pond is affected. The ripples go down, all the way down, and all the way across. And so this is this is what my saying is every part of the system affects every other part of the system. And so our unconscious selves have a lot of interaction with each other, have a lot of influence on each other. And so a lot of what we did was using our own meditative state to affect her consciousness as well and bring a sense of peace and bring a sense of calm to her. I know you really asked about like, what do we, what do we do for ourselves? But <laughs> our, our uh, you know, another reason that a lot of our focus was not on ourselves in those early days, even though, like I said, um, I would have liked to have known more about this was my daughter was born with a lot of medical complications and uh, and we lived a lot of our lives in the hospital, in the first in the sick kids hospital in the first couple of years, especially, but for like a long time. And uh, and so a lot of our focus was on her, uh, her health and her survival in a lot of ways. And uh, and it kind of put the it kind of put a lot of the attention off of us uh, because of that, you know. Now, when I support parents that are going through the similar kinds of things, um, I help shift that attention back onto them because it's one thing that I think we would have uh, could have uh, used some guidance around back in those days. I guess that's um, probably the thing, though, isn't it? Like in that that setting, like. If- it was probably too hard for you both to do that for yourselves. Like you need like the, you probably needed the outside support to be able to help bring that focus for you because yeah. it can be really hard when you're living it. And when you've, especially like you said, you had a sick babe, like of course that's yeah. where your energy and your focus is going. Right. Now yeah, I'm just looking you. at a time and we're actually coming up to 30 minutes for our episode, but I feel like we're not finished yet. Would you be interested in joining us for an extra episode? I would love to do that. Amazing. Well, we might just yeah. finish this one off just so that we're sure. not holding anybody up for this one. But I would sure. love if you could share a tip for our listeners for this week. Uh, absolutely. Um, you know, one of the things about sleep for me that has been really helpful is to understand one of the main reasons that kids res- resist sleep. And I say resist sleep in in quotes because um, resist implies that there's a particular way that they need and a particular time they need to fall asleep. But still, it is something that kids do have a struggle with, even if they're really tired. And one of the reasons for that that, I've, I, that I have understood and, and, uh, and been able to work with is that there's a, there's, a, there's a separation that happens when kids fall asleep. They're separating from us. They're separating from their source of comfort, their source of safety, their source of connection, their source of attachment. And they're also separating from themselves because they don't necessarily know what's happening as their consciousness disappears. You know, so there's a lot that's happening that's feel can can feel unsafe, can feel scary, can feel like a separation, and it's a long separation too. And uh, and so that this is like this is something that's really important. And so the time leading up to sleep can the way that we work with it can make a big difference in the feeling of uh of safety and the, the feeling of connection and uh, and helping kids feel that 
And, you know, the, from the, when we approach it with frustration in ourselves, that frustration automatically goes to our kids. So I think there's two, the two aspects of working inwardly with ourselves to help ourselves with that frustration and then working outwardly to help our kids feel that sense of connection, that it's safe. They're still sane. Now, the problem is if we're doing things that make kids feel, don't feel unsafe, like if they are not wanting to go to sleep and we tell them they have to go to sleep and then they come out of the bedroom and they say, you better go back into the bedroom, then they don't feel safe. And the reason they're coming out is because they're feeling that connection and needing, seeking that connection, seeking that, that sense of safety or seeking that sense of what's missing for them. And so changing our, our focus, I call it having iceberg consciousness. Iceberg consciousness is instead of seeing just the tip of the iceberg, we look at the big well of stuff underneath that uh, all the needs, all the feelings, all the different things that are uh, impacting our kids in that moment. And we work from that perspective. And when we work from that perspective, it really shifts how our kids uh, feel us. You know, it was recently I was uh, interacting with a young person. This isn't about sleep, but I was re recently interacting with a young person who uh, has a rep had a reputation i found out from other adults in their life had a reputation for being very greedy and always demanding things and uh not not wanting to ever give but always wanting to take 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 and they came over i was visiting a friend and they came over to the uh, to the friend's place and they were immediately came in the room and started demanding things i want this and i want that and i could right away i could see my my friend was like tensing up like uh, getting ready to set a boundary and tell the kid this is not appropriate or whatever and then they latched onto the sketchbook that they really wanted. They really wanted the sketchbook. And, uh, and so they started demanding the sketchbook and demanding my friend go out and buy them a sketchbook because they had, they had some history and uh, dem demanding they buy them the sketchbook. And she was saying, no, I can't, I have to work. I'm too busy. She was making excuses, but again, like only dealing with the surface, only dealing with the, with the behavior. So, um, and I could tell that this kid didn't really care about the sketchbook. Not really. They wanted their, they wanted their, uh, their connection need met. They wanted to be seen. They wanted to be valued. I could feel all these relational things that were underneath the surface. And so I jumped in and I said, Hey, you know what, kiddo, I bet you my friend actually really does want to buy you a sketchbook and maybe they'll go to the dollar store one day and they'll get you one. And then they'll be so happy thinking about which one can I pick for my friend? Cause they're such a wonderful friend and I want to get just the right one for them. And she yelled out pink <laughs> right away. She felt it right. She was, she was in the dollar store with me in that yeah, moment in our minds. Yeah. She was there and she went, she went pink. And I said, yeah, 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 pink, pink, pink. And I said, make a note pink. I said to my friend and then I said, yeah. And then she'll bring it home. And then whenever you guys get together, cause she was also saying, you have to bring it to me tomorrow. So I also added, whenever you guys get together, you, she'll give it to you and you'll be so happy and you can draw in it together and it'll be so wonderful. So she just like, from, from all this tension of demanding, she just went, okay. And she walked out of the room. <laughs> it was fine. Because and then that's actually what she was going for. Exactly. And then later on, she told, and I didn't know this person at all, right? This young person at all, except for like the 15 minutes we interacted. So later on, she had her friend send me a text. And the text said, Vivek, I really loved meeting you today. And I hope we can play again together one day. And when we do, I want to buy you a present. Aww. I don't know what I'm going to get. I don't know if I can get something because she's just a kid. She doesn't know, but I really yeah. want to get you a present. So yeah. in like one instance of meeting the need underneath the surface, her whole in a relationship to giving and receiving changed, you know, and if that was a consistent experience with her, it would, it would, I never told her what she should do. I never told her she was wrong for anything. 
but her natural generosity came out, you know, and I've had so many, so many experiences with kids over the, uh, over the years, because I've worked with a lot of kids, um, hundreds of kids in the school system, in the volunteer, uh, with the youth agencies, um, with the parents that I work with teaching martial arts and dance kids classes for years and years and years and years. I have so much experience with kids and, and time after time after time, when I employ my iceberg consciousness, it takes a lot of discipline because, you know, like concentration and awareness, because the, I get that impact from the behavior. But when I look underneath and I, and I work with those feelings underneath, it always has a dramatic effect. And I think it's the same with sleep. You know, when I allow myself to feel my iceberg, and my kid's iceberg, and we connect uh, that way, uh, it has a dramatic effect. That is amazing. I'm absolutely loving that. And I'm going to be thinking about that for quite some time, I think. But we're going to have to finish up this episode there. But thank you so much, Vivek. That was amazing. I loved hearing that first part of your story. And I'm really looking forward to hearing more in our next episode together. Thank you. Thank you so much. I really hope you enjoyed the podcast today. The information we discussed was just that, information only. It is not specific advice. If you take any action following something you've heard from our show today, it is important to make sure you get professional advice about your unique situation before you proceed, whether that advice be legal, financial, accounting, medical, or any other advice. Please reach out to me if you do have any questions or if there's a topic you'd really like us to be covering. And if you know somebody who'd really benefit from listening to our podcast, please be sure to pass our name along. Also check out our free peer support group, the Beyond Sleep Training Project and our wonderful website, www.littlesparklers.org. If you'd like even more from the show, you can join us as a patron on Patreon and you can find a link for that in our show notes. If listening is not really your jam, we also make sure we put full episode transcripts on our Little Sparklers website for you to also enjoy and fully captioned YouTube videos as well on our Little Sparklers channel. So thanks again for listening today. We really enjoy bringing this podcast to you. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.